good morning. It's certainly good to see each and every one of you out this morning. I'd like to reiterate the welcome that Brother Charles gave this morning. It's, it's wonderful to have visitors with us, and every one of you is, is our guest. And we hope you know that. We hope you realize how honored we are to have you with us. <clears throat> and this morning, I'm going to ask for your patience, because I'm probably going to be coughing uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm still struggling with this cold, but I, I believe it's almost behind me. But uh, I, I would ask that you just keep that in mind this morning. As Brother Charles read, in Jesus' ministry on this earth, he wanted people to follow him. And, and they were, many were invited to do so. Many of them just simply wanted to do so. But yet there were some that wanted to do so on their own terms. They just decided to do it the, the way that they felt would be the best way to do it. You see this here. Uh, in this passage that he read in Luke 9, 57 through 62, we see it said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Or, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go bid farewell to those of my family or those who are at my house. What's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about this idea of the me first mentality. And this was fundamentally opposed to what Jesus taught, the, the concept that he had for those who would follow him was fundamentally opposed to this. If we look over in Luke chapter, uh, just a few verses earlier in Luke 9, look in verse 23, when Jesus said that we would have to deny himself or ourselves. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Or if we look a few verses over in, in chapter 14, look in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. So Jesus required of this, that we, this, we have a certain mentality that is not reflectant of the me first mentality. That wasn't what Jesus was looking for in a disciple of him. But we see that that attitude was very, very prevalent in that society. Now, as we talked about in class this morning, that's also an attitude that's very, very prevalent in our society today. We live in a society and a culture that praises putting oneself first. The idea of looking out for, for number one. <coughs> Excuse me. Looking out for number one. And it's very easy for Christians to also adopt this same sort of attitude. This idea of me first mentality. And I want to look at some ways that we might be guilty of that this morning if we're not careful. The first one I want to look at is our, in our attendance. We might have, we might have this me first mentality and it might show through our attendance. Now in the scriptures, there's a lot of places that reveal to us the importance of gathering together and worshiping and assembling as Christians. We can turn places like Acts 2 and verse 42, where we see examples of this. Acts 20 and verse 7. We even see warnings in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves. We see this that this is a very important topic. But look over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and <clears throat> verse 26. We read, and if one member suffers, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. How are we going to care for one another if we aren't even together enough to know what one another is going through? How will we know if one is suffering? How will we know if one is honored if our attendance is spotty in the worship? 
Yet many will often put personal interests before, before opportunities to attend services. Sometimes it's recreational things, such as maybe a, a sports. You know, watch a, a sporting event, or, or maybe it's something uh, like shopping or just a day out uh, with friends. Maybe it's golf. I don't know why I didn't lump golf with sports together, but maybe it's golf. Maybe that's something that, that seems to be a very popular thing that people like to do on Sunday mornings. But we, we see that oftentimes recreational things can pull us our, our, aside from the, the services and from attending with one another. Maybe it's family gatherings. Maybe it's my family's all coming in and I, I want this time to be with them. And so I'm going to, everybody will understand, I'm just going to go be with my family on this Sunday and I'm not going to come to worship services. Or maybe it's work. It's elective work. And when I say that, I don't I understand that sometimes work is going to take us away from services. Sometimes there's things that are going to happen and we're going to miss services. But maybe it's elective work. Maybe it's overtime that we have weighed that option and said, you know, it's worth it to me to miss services to get that little bit of extra money. Or maybe, um, maybe it's something that we had a, a choice in scheduling. And we said, well, we'll schedule it for this time. Uh, schedule it for this day. And we knew that would, that would interact with the, uh, or that would conflict, excuse me. With, with our worship services. By staying home, by, by going to work, by doing some sort of recreational atten- uh, activity, by doing something else, what we are doing, we, we are showing a haphazard attitude toward attendance, a heartless attitude toward attendance, as opposed to a wholehearted attitude. And I want to suggest that this might be a sign. It might be something that we need to look at ourselves a little bit deeper and say, do I have a me-first mentality? Is that something that I see within myself? But that's not the only place that this might kind of creep up in our lives. Another place we want to look at is in, in our giving, in our contribution. Christians are instructed to give of their prosperity. Look over just a few chapter, uh, chapters over in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, <clears throat> storing up as he may prosper, that there be, there be no collections when I come. What this passage is telling us here is, is we have been given abundantly. It says to give as we have prospered. Lay something aside, uh, storing up as he may have prospered. How have we prospered in this life? Have you ever asked yourself that? Maybe you've asked yourself this question. If you haven't, I, I suggest you do it because it's a wonderful question to ask yourself. Am I rich? Am I rich? I found a few statistics that really opened my eyes a little bit. We talk about this a lot, that we, we realize we're a wealthy nation, we're a wealthy people, but do we truly realize how wealthy we are? Do you have $2,200? I'm not talking about cash, excuse me. I'm talking about assets. Do you have $2,200 worth of value in assets? If you have that in your life today, you are, in, you are in a position that is in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest people. If you have 2,200, I'm having a hard time with that number this morning, $2,200 in assets. Now, I would say most of us, most of us probably have that in one room of our house. Maybe not even one room, maybe in one closet of our house. We have $2,200 in assets we're now among the 50, uh, in the 50th percentile of the richest and the wealthiest in the world. But I think it gets a little bit uh, more interesting than that. i got some charts to show you here. If you earn more than $25,000 a year, 
$25,000 a year. I think what most places would consider that kind of a low middle class in, in the society that we live in today. 25000 a year, you are in the 10th percentile. There are 7.3 billion people estimated in this world, and of those, 90% make less than you. If you, do, if you make 25000 a year, you're in the 10th percentile. What if you have uh, some money saved away? It doesn't really matter how much. You just have the ability to save some money. Or you have a hobby that requires some equipment or some supplies. Uh, maybe uh, for me it was always, well, Holly would tell you I've had too many to count, but, but lately it's been rock climbing. Well, that requires rope and harnesses and gear. So, so there's stuff that goes with that. Maybe it's some sort of hobby that you have that requires money. Maybe you have closets in your house with clothes in them. I imagine you do. Or you have two cars. No matter what condition they're in, you own two cars. Or you own your own home. You own your own home. You have a place for yourself to live. You now are in the top 5% of this world. 7.3 billion people. 95% of them don't have the things that you have in your life. Don't have even close to the things in your life. Or maybe, maybe you earn more than $50,000. I would imagine a lot of us are pretty close to that number, if not well over it. $50,000 a year, you are that top 1%. You might remember that from a few years ago, the, the Wall Street, uh, the protests at Wall Street, and they, they Occupy, that's what I was trying to think of, Occupy Wall Street, when they walked around with the signs, the 1%, the 1%, we are the 1%. We are the 1% of the world. If we make 50000 or more, 7.3 billion people, 99% of them don't have what we have. We are rich. We have abundance. And what God is saying to us is I want you to give back out of that abundance. I want you to give back as I have given to you, as I have blessed you. I have blessed you abundantly. I want you to give back to me abundantly. But yet many will give sparingly. They will because maybe they, they, the things that they have, the fact that they are in that 5% is not enough. I still want more. There's a few extra things I want, you know, go back to those hobbies. Uh, like I said, I've had a lot of them, and before rock climbing, it was Jeeps. And I always, I can remember, oh, I always got to have that 37 spline chromoly axle. I got to have that 37 spline chromoly axle. That means so much to me. And it all might go, that sounds like gibberish to me. But to me, that was so important. But I can't put that ahead of anything else. I can't put that ahead of God. I can't put that ahead of my family. But especially, I can't put that ahead of God. But there are so many today that will put things that, that they just feel like they have to have. So oftentimes things they say they need but are actually luxuries. Maybe it's because we have failed to properly budget in our lives. We've properly failed to properly budget for our contribution that we are to give to the Lord. We have so much that we have prospered, but do we take time throughout the week to think about all that we have? Do we take time to think about each and every day what God has given to us and then how can I, can I set a, something aside Give that back. Now, I'll warn you if, you, if you are truly thinking about that, it's going to become overwhelming. It's going to become incredibly overwhelming when we start to think about how much he's given us. But we need to be doing that. We need to be thinking about how much he's giving us and what are we going to give back. Because negligent giving, giving without giving the, the proper thought into it of our prosperity, is yet another sign that we might have this me-first mentality. I'm going to focus on me before I focus on what the Lord has given me, before I focus on others. 
Another place we might see this creep up in our life is in our service to one another, in our ministering. God has blessed each one of us with gifts. If you'll turn over to Romans 12, <clears throat> you might say, I don't, think, uh, I, don't, I, you know, I don't think God's blessed me with gifts, but that's not what he says. In Romans 12, we all have at least one gift. And he gives us such a, a, a variety of options that he says he's blessed us with. Romans 12, and verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, to think, but, ought to think, but to think soberly as God as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let, it use, let us use it to min- uh, in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> For, uh, Peter would later say in 1 Peter 4, in chapter 10, he would re- kind of paraphrase this and say, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He said, as you receive the gift, as you realize what your gift is, start using it. Use it in the best way that you can as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Yet many will make little effort to do their part. Will make little effort to do their part in the work of a local congregation. Sometimes it's seen in, in those that would come and would do as little as possible to even know the smallest details about the other members. Maybe not even learn names of other members. Maybe they don't seek opportunities to even find their gift. As it says, in first, as we just read in First Peter, that as each one has received a gift, maybe we don't know what that gift is yet, but are we even trying to learn what we're good at? Are we even trying to find out what gift God has given us? We see oftentimes that men don't attend the business meetings of the congregation. They, they, they just say, well, put that off on the rest of the men to, to fulfill that work. I won't have a part of that. Maybe we see it in teaching classes. When people have an opportunity to teach, they say, no, I'll let somebody else handle that. We might not even come to church for any other reason, but just to be, see what I can get from it, what I can receive, and not have the mentality of what can I give to those that are worshiping with me right here. A lack of involvement in a local church is also a, a sign that I might have a me-first mentality that I need to look at. We also want to look at our family relationships. <clears throat> Christians have duties as members of a physical family as well as a spiritual family. Look over to Colossians 3. <clears throat> In Colossians 3 and verse 18, where we read, Wives, submitting to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is, is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And we also see this uh, reiterated again in Ephesians. Go ahead and read that in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 and in verse 22, read, Wives, submitting to your own husbands as to the Lord, and skip down verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her. In verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Many, many families suffer 
suffer when people seek their own interests above others. When people seek the interest of what they feel is best for them, instead of looking at what's best for the rest of my family, what's best for my wife, what's best for my children. When husbands and wives are selfish in their dealings with one another, when parents divorce without regard to the impact that it might have on their children, when children fail to honor, when children fail to obey their parents. We see that a dysfunctional family can also show signs that there may be a me-first mentality that exists. And our service to the Lord, His church, and our families is greatly hindered by that mentality. It's greatly hindered by this idea that I want to be first. We talked about that in class this morning. <laughs> I gotta admit, I, I should have. You know, I'm not. I'm not in the class normally, but I should have read what we were studying because so much of my sermon was kind of geared towards the class as well. But when, when we think of James and John, that was the attitude they had. I want to be first. Me first. That's what I'm thinking about. How much better for it would us to learn the practice of the other first mentality? Put others first. This is what Jesus exemplified. Look over in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in verse 9, where we read, For you know, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the same thing that we read in class, Matthew 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This was the idea that Jesus had on this earth. When he came to this earth, he came because he wanted to put others first and not himself. We also see this idea in Philippians. If you, if you want to, go ahead and, and just put a ribbon here in, in 2 Corinthians because we're going to be right back. But look over in Philippians. Philippians in chapter 2. Verses 3 through 8. <clears throat> For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised of the eighth day <clears throat> of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ. Do we have this same sort of attitude? To do nothing, to do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, to esteem others higher than ourselves, and to look out for the interests of others. This is the kind of attitude that Jesus personified. This is what he exemplified in this principle of others first that he desires in us as well. It's what he's looking for us as well. And as I said, we're going to flip right back over to 2 Corinthians because we also see this exemplified in the Macedonians. The Macedonians showed this. They showed this in their giving in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
note that their great liberality, that they were noted for their great liberality, despite that they were in deep poverty, as it says. But verse 5 goes on to say that they were able to do so uh, graciously in thinking of others first. It says in verse 5, And not only as we had hoped, but but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They weren't thinking about themselves. They weren't thinking about what they could do to to get out of this deep poverty. They weren't thinking about what are we going to do to protect ourselves. They gave themselves to the Lord. And then they gave themselves over to this great liberality. And what's the effect of that? When they had this idea, this mentality of others first. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 10 through 18, we read about this, this same liberality continuing in supporting of Paul. In verse 10 it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in regard to need, <coughs> excuse me, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians uh, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you said you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound, and I am full, and having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. We see this continued liberality, and we see because of all this liberality, all this giving, all this idea of putting others first. Verse 19 says God was reflecting of that. God saw that God gave back to them. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus exemplified the principles of, other, of others first. The Macedonians exemplified the value of putting others first. Do we have a me first mentality? Can we look at ourselves and see that we, is it possible that we are doing this, that we are not putting others first, that we are not putting God first? Because if we do, if we have this sort of mentality, we cannot be a disciple of Christ. We can't deny ourselves and put ourselves first at the same time. And if we do, the church and even our own spiritual life is going to suffer. And so we need to ask ourselves, how do I get rid of this? If I have this in my life, if I have a me-first mentality, and if if I'm realizing, maybe innocent at first, I didn't know I was doing this, but now I realize I'm putting myself first, and I want to make a change, well, how do I change? The me-first mentality is destroyed. It's impossible for it to flourish. It's impossible for it to live when we adopt the mentality of putting others first. But before we can do that, before we can adopt the mentality to put others first, we have to develop the putting the kingdom of God first. We have to put God's will, what God desires for us, what God desires for us to do first in our life. If we will do that, we will see the me-first mentality completely eradicated from our lives. In fact, that's what, uh, what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 30 through 33. <clears throat> saying, when you put me first, when you put God first, when you put the kingdom first, I will take care of you. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? 
O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But in verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you want to do that? Do you believe that? Do you believe what Jesus said? That he will add these things to you, but seek first the kingdom of God. Maybe this morning you realize it's time to stop having a me-first mentality and start having a God-first mentality. In just a moment, we're going to sing. <clears throat> we're going to sing in our psalm books number 326, Trust and Obey. That's what God asks you to do. You're putting God first. You're not trusting upon yourself. Not trusting upon what you can do to get yourself to heaven. You're putting God first. You're trusting upon Him and what He has said that He will do for you if you would simply obey Him. If that would be your desire today, to become a child of His, we stand ready to assist you. If you would desire to do that now, won't you please come forward now as we stand and sing number 326.